You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. Hey everyone, welcome to another podcast episode. Chris Lopez here, and this episode is gonna be our monthly property management update podcast. So it's gonna be a similar podcast to what I did the previous month in May, where I sit down and talk to a handful of property managers. But rather than talking to four property managers, I am talking to five property managers this month. So just like last month, after this short intro is over, I will just play each interview back to back to back to back to back so you can hear me ask the property managers similar questions about the performance of May, how June is looking, and just other observations that they are seeing uh, in the property management landscape scene. So enjoy it. Got any questions, please reach out. And all the details and contacts of the property managers are included in the show notes. So just click on that, get the details, and reach out to property managers. Thank you. Enjoy. All right. I'm sitting down here with Anne-Marie with Legacy Property Management. Anne-Marie, how's it going? It is going great. Fun times, so we, had, <laughs> we had lots of people listen to last month's update. They loved it. Just a quick refresher, who are you and who is Legacy Property Management? Yeah, we are uh, a smaller property management company in the southern portion suburbs of Denver. We do go through the city. We specialize primarily in single family homes. We manage about 150 in our portfolio and growing every month, it seems. And we, uh, yeah, we love to do, take care of our owners. Our, our, probably our primary uh, person or is the, is the person that is afraid to lease out their house. They bought a house, they're getting moved. It's just the one-off investor. But we do have a mm-hmm. plethora of folks that own three or more properties with us. Great. Well, I just want to jump in the stats because I know that's what people are dying to hear. And I know when we spoke in May for April, you were, I think, 100% collection. Correct. Now we are recording this uh, on June 5th. How did things pan out in the month of May for you? 100%. Again? All right. Were, were there more rental plan or like payment plans or more late payments or is it all pretty normal? No rental plans as of yet. Um, no one's asked for a rental plan um, or rent relief. I have, uh, I think I had two late payers. So it was really minimal. Everyone seems to be getting them in and keeping it on their auto pay. And for June, we are looking to be 100%. Um, there's a couple of stragglers that usually come in and their lease is written that they can pay um, as late as the 8th. So those few people that's not considered late that's actually still per their lease they are allowed to pay um, waiting on a paycheck but yeah we're doing okay. great and what do you have like a, a rough percentage for june so far are you in the 90s in the 80s absolutely in the 90s i i, I okay. mean i just kind of went through the numbers before we jumped on here and it looks like almost everyone is paid up right now wow and, you know, I got to say, Chris, our business is slightly different. The, the average rent that we have is about $2,700. And, and so we don't have those. Um, I mean, we do, but we don't. The plethora of our properties or our rents are not below 2000 
And those are the folks that have been hit the hardest by this COVID crisis. You know, they're, they're in the service industry and they've had to ask for or request rent relief. And we, that's one of the reasons why we haven't been impacted and why I keep stating we're at a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, fantastic. So what other, like, I mean, from your advantage point, you know, we talked about 30 days ago, any other trends or anything that jumped out of the last 30 days, as far as your trends you're seeing, leasing trends, anything like that the last month? Um, so I was going to say one thing that we are doing is continual communication with our tenants to please have a conversation with us, but don't wait until rent is due that you're not going to be able to make rent. So they all have been told and requested that, um, we've reminded them about the stimulus check so that they can use that. That's meant for rent. That's not meant to go or groceries, but it's not really meant to go on a vacation. (laughs) Um, in terms of trends, I got to tell you. Um, so normal high leasing months in the in Denver is March, April, May, and usually part of June. This year, our leasing went bonkers starting in February, so pre-COVID, and we have not stopped leasing and going strong through since February. I, I am blown away every month. I think we have, I'm looking at my board, I think we have about 15 properties up for lease right now. Some people renewed, others did not, and they did not renew, so it, they're listed. And then I have some new properties coming into the portfolio that are just being put up for lease right now. Okay. And as far as um, like leasing times and rental rates, what are you seeing on those two amounts and like vacancy rates or vacancy times? So houses still are going the best and the quickest. So still 30 to 45 days, maybe even less on a house. Um, Those still seem to be the most in demand. There are a couple of caveats. It's a little bit based on the area uh, in town. Okay. Condos are still taking the longest. I mean, almost painful. Uh, 60 days at least. So like that means like 60 days vacancy or 60 days from when you start marketing them? 60 days from when we start marketing them. Some of them are new into the portfolio, so they've been vacant that whole time, um, which is hard for owners. And now I say that, and I got to tell you, we've had two Capitol Hill listings and they went like within four weeks. So, and that's very uncommon for a condo, but yeah, that... You know, I, I I don't see any change in the in the shift of how leasing time frame has changed with COVID or not COVID. It's always been the same for us, pretty much. Um, okay. In terms of rates, um, yeah, they're, they're not as high as they have been. Certainly, in seventeen and sixteen, we had great rates. Um, we haven't, I don't feel like we're below average for sure, but um, we have had to adjust a little bit um, on our rent rates just to get more traffic through the property. So is that, I mean, let's just say, for example, I know you land a lot of like single families in Highlands Ranch, Littleton, and those rent for what, $25 to $3,000 a month. Are you dropping them? Fifty bucks a month, hundred dollars a month. Like, what are you having to drop to kind of get? Usually, it's a hundred bucks. Um, so, look, okay. like a, a three bedroom in Highlands Ranch is probably around twenty, depending on square footage, but probably around twenty three ninety five. I hesitate to go twenty two ninety five yet, 
um, they, it'll, they'll still lease around twenty three ninety five. So if the house is in good shape and we're still in a hot time of the market, certainly May was still hot. Um, we might have tried to lease it or started at twenty four ninety five, dropped down, you know, fourteen days to twenty three ninety five. So Highlands Ranch is still well leasing, leasing well, um, even through the center of Denver, University Hills. We're leasing quickly there. So it sounds like also like you're not seeing different neighborhoods or pockets of Denver lease faster or slower or higher or lower compared to other parts, just in general, it's all kind of the same across the board. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, I've got a couple that are North Park Hill and they're not going well, but that's more neighborhood. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's definitely neighborhood driven. The house and the square footage justifies a higher rent rate. Um, but the neighborhood doesn't. So it keeps, we have to keep pulling it down. Yeah. And so we are what, like two months plus into the pandemic when this first hit, how is the rental market in reality versus what you thought it was two or three months ago? Like, did you expect it to be worse, better, about the same, like from your perspective? Uh, well, Let's see. Listening to everyone, I expected I was going to have issues get, getting rent in. Yeah. And so I'm very blessed and grateful that I have not. And I really haven't had to pester the majority, maybe one off. Just, hey, rent was due. And we're, we're, we have removed, per the executive order, all late fees. So we're not charging late fees if, even if they get it in late. Um. I did not expect the leasing activity to be as crazy as it, as it has been. I mean, I can't, I keep saying if it wasn't for COVID and we were able to do all of what we normally do, um, I don't know if we could have sustained it. I mean, it has been unbelievable this year. There are so many people moving all over either in and out of the state or across the state, uh, across the city, I, I am blown away at how much leasing activity we have had this spring. Um, and I would say to you that because of COVID, our practices, we have modified the way we do our processes and procedures now in terms of showing, because we personally show, we do no self-showings. And so, um, of course, we had to modify that during shelter in place. Uh, but the property managers have found a phenomenal system to weed out a lot of looky lures before we head to property now to show a, to show a unit. And that's been phenomenal for us. So we've, we've weeded out a lot of, pre, we pre-screen much heavier now before we drive out okay. to the property. Well, outstanding. I mean, you answer all my questions. You got any like final thoughts or tips you want to share with? investors and landlords that are listening to us? I mean, I guess, Chris, the thing that comes up the most is should I keep buying in Colorado and, or in Denver? And, you know, I, I, I mean, you and I have talked this over and over. I am a huge proponent of owning rental properties. And, you know, I own mm -hmm. myself. You know, I was on a recent um, meeting with another panel of property managers, and some would say it kind of depends on your goals. What are you trying to accomplish? If you're holding for the long term, then maybe Denver's still a great option. If you're trying to do a quick turn, Denver might not be because our cap rates are uh, lower, our prices are higher, and you know, getting that 10% is long gone. 
Um, but I believe that Denver is a very well sought after city. Our economy, despite all of this going on, is still very strong and the rent and the uh, mortgage rates are phenomenal. So to me, it's still a win situation. And I just want you to know, people say, is there renters on the other side? And the answer to that is yes. And certainly families, because companies are still coming to Denver. So I'm still a proponent of owning an investment home. And nothing is nothing is scaring you in the present from you buying another one at the moment. No, we just did. <laughs> we just closed in That's- May. So I will tell you that some some of us uh, property managers in in the in the National Association feel we could feel a wave, a second wave of this in the fall. So we, so that's where I'm kind of anticipating August, September. If this continues on and we can't get back to work or tenants can't get back to work, mine can, most of them can work from home. But for those folks that can't, then the second wave of this, of not being able to make rent payments could come in. To play. And so that's where I'm kind of waiting where what August and September is going to look like. If I can get it through to the end of the year, then I feel like we've we've escaped. We, we've had a near miss type of thing. But every month I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, people are communicating and I communicate with my owners where we are. I mean, I don't know if you heard, but the moratorium for evictions just got extended to June 13th now in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that makes owners nervous and it, and I'll tell you, when the legislation went back into session, there were some crazy bills that they came drew up while we were all shelter in place. Crazy. So um, we've been working remotely to testify against those bills. So it's, I mean, it's still a crazy thing. Definitely be um, linked with a professional management company that uh, knows what's going on in the Denver market, but also knows the legislation that's going on actively. So uh, that that would be my recommendation for anybody. Great. Well, Marie, uh, thank you. I'm glad. I appreciate the time. Glad to hear everything's good on your end. So thank you. And of course, I will put links to your website and contact details in the show notes so people can reach out to you. And uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll have you back on here next month as well. Give us another another update. Happy to. Enjoy enjoy your day. Yes. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. We are talking with Gray Hall with GK Houses right now. Gray, how's it going today? Good, man. How are you doing? Doing really good. So we got great feedback on the episode from last month. So as just a quick refresher for people out there, who are you and who is GK Houses? Yeah, so my name is Gray Hall. I'm the Colorado team leader. Um, So GK Houses is a property management company. Um, We are in five different markets. And so I'm over the Colorado. Uh, We manage all along the front range. We manage single family, you know, small multifamily up to 49 units. Um, Yeah, along the front range. Great. All right. So I know you gave us some great data last month. So how did May end up shaking out for you guys here in the Denver portfolio? Yeah, May was actually really good. Um, May turned out to be 98% collection, um, which was actually up 1% year over year. So uh, 2019, May, we collected 97%. Uh, and this year we were at 98%. And so Pretty excited about that. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good rate. Uh, it's the number of properties that we have uh, collected 98%. So 
I am surprised that actually went up. I was not expecting to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's kind of a pleasant surprise and kind of the trend is, so I'll kind of jump into June. So June right now, as of today, we're at 93% collection. And I was kind of looking at the data, uh, just of what the trend was last month. So I was kind of looking at like a day by day delinquency report and delinquency report just shows any tenant who's delinquent, any tenant who owes us rent money. Um, Rent's going to continue to trickle in. And so I, I would fully expect kind of by the end of June, us to be in a very similar 97, 90% a collected rate. Okay. And we are recording this on June 5th. Uh, and so are most releases structured where rent is due by the 5th? Correct. Most of it's due, due by the 3rd. By the 3rd? Okay. Yeah. So 3rd, it gets input. Um, and so by the 4th, we should have everything in there. And I was looking at it too. It's most of these tenants, they're just going to either they've got a payment plan that kind of will enact on the 15th. So we've got a lot of tenants who uh, will pay sometime between now and the 15th. Um, but out of all the tenants who are delinquent, only two of them did not pay in full last month. So all the tenants who are behind right now, I'm confident they're going to pay. It might just be a timing issue. Today might be their payday. And so we might see rent come in over the weekend. Um, but overall, rent is kind of the fears that we've seen haven't come to fruition yet. And so We'll see what July holds, but so far May was pretty strong. I expect June to be pretty strong, um, and we'll see what happens in July. Okay, and uh, I know you GKs in I think three other markets. So we're in Am we're I, in five other markets. Five other markets. Wow. Um, how do you have any data like how Denver's comparing to other markets or the national market? Because I see reports from like you know the apartment associations, but there's such you know, they're in a different league than we are. <laughs> they are. Single, yeah, single family is a lot different. Um, I don't have the, the specific numbers, but I know that they're within 1% year over year. So even okay. in these other markets that Denver's probably one of our higher rent markets. And so we've, we manage in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and then Atlanta, Georgia is a very similar. Um, and so they're probably in those same uh, delinquency percentages, but some of the other markets with a little bit lower rents, it's still within kind of when you look at year over year trends, um, it, it really hasn't drastically changed too much. Which is great. great. I mean, that, I mean, that's great when you manage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that, that's the one thing that we've got to do for owners is collect rent. So uh, it certainly makes our job easier. And it, it, it's been cool. I mean, a lot of the tenants they want to pay rent, and so even with you know eviction uh, moratorium and not charging late fees, the majority of tenants are paying and they're they're doing the right thing and they're holding up their end of the deal. Um, and so that, that's been pretty cool to see. What uh, what's the feedback or communication been like with the owners? What are they saying to you, or how are they reacting to all this? Um, I think yeah, it was a lot of initial shock. I think things have kind of this has become the new normal, and I think that now that we've gotten them rent consistently, um, we pay out on the second Friday. So now that they've seen that coming in consistently, it's not as much concern. Um, a lot of conversations around like lease renewals, and so we're just being aggressive with that. We've actually seen really high lease renewals. So we were at. You know, 80% of all of our leases renewed uh, in March, April, and May. And so seeing more tenants stay in there, but we're, we're trying to encourage owners to just keep tenants in there just because there's been a lot of unknowns, um, you know, in April and March and just not sure what the leasing world is going to look like. And, you know, leasing world is a lot stronger than any of us probably thought. Um, and so, yeah, that's been a lot of the communication with the owners. And so because we pay to rent consistently, there hasn't been too many concerns with, you know, that's not paying. Good. And so, with, uh, as you're releasing units or leasing new units, are you guys going for a rent bump or just kind of keep things status quo? How are you pricing the rental units? We're, we're 
slight rent bump uh, at the beginning okay. and we're leasing pretty quickly. Um, haven't really had too many price drops. Maybe, I mean, if the unit's priced correctly, it's going to lease quickly. Um, demand has been high. I know other property managers are saying that as well. So uh, we're going to try for slight increases, but just trying to put it at the market rate. We're probably not trying to to grab the 5%, uh, you know, probably not trying to get too far above market rent. Whereas maybe you were trying to push the upper end of that. And so there's kind of a range when you're talking about market rents. And so probably, probably just trying to price it where it's going to lease really quickly. Uh, vacancy, it's just, we're trying to eliminate concern from our owner's life because that's why property managers are here. We're trying to make you as the property owner not have to worry about the vacancy. And so um, if we price it, you know, maybe $50 kind of off that upper echelon of the market rent, it's kind of how we're approaching it. Okay. And as far as just other trends, I know last time we talked, you had seen a drop in routine maintenance requests because, you know, like everyone, people just don't want people in their house right now. Uh, has that trend stayed the same? It has increased slightly. Um, I don't have as much data as I would like to have on this. So next time we talk, I'll, uh, I'll prep some data on maintenance. Um, yeah, in increased slightly. We're starting to see, I mean, it's hot here in Colorado. And so... Um, a lot of air conditioning stuff and, the, you know, a lot of the stuff that tenants just, you got to get in there and COVID or not, they want you in there to fix that. It's a lot of the habitability issues. So we've seen a slight uptick. Um, our guys are definitely busier. We've got in-house technicians uh, at GK. And so they are certainly busier and uh, able to give them, you know, give them their hours and give them work and get stuff fixed for tenants. So slight increase, but I still think that there's a backlog coming. And so we're probably starting to see this as units turn. Uh, the, the turn costs are probably going to be higher if we haven't been in there maybe the past couple months fixing some stuff and not drastically, but mm, maybe yeah. stuff that just hasn't been reported. Um, and you hope tenants are still reporting leaks and you hope tenants are going to report stuff that um, is damaging the property. And I just kind of feel like we're coming out of a little bit of, you know, we kind of know more about the disease and uh, some of the regulations have kind of been or restrictions have been lifted. And so it's been easier to get into to tenants' houses. Right. What other uh, trends are you noticing right now? Um, leasing's really strong. Our showings per house have doubled uh, since the beginning of May. And so just kind of steady increase there. Same story with applications. Um, properties, yeah, they're moving fast. We're still seeing people move out of state. Um, we still are not showing our occupied properties. Um, so trying to either have photos, matter ports, or video walkthroughs for those. Um, while we're not showing them, we are still leasing a lot of them. So signing set and seeing addendums. Um, and so, yeah, our leasing team, I'm really glad we had a end of the month. Sorry. What, what's a site unseen addendum? Sorry. So anytime you lease a property without the tenant seeing it, there's risks of them going in there and a difference in expectation from the pictures and the condition. Yep. And so it basically states that anything that's safety, sanitary, keeping the unit secure, we're going to fix. But if the tenant goes in there and the paint is one shade off, you know, we're not going to be held liable to kind of fix that. So it's kind of setting okay. the expectation for the tenant that, hey, you, you know, either weren't able to see the property or chose not to. And so it's just an addendum that we have that kind of helps set expectations for when somebody leases without seeing it. That makes sense. Great. And you were about to say something else before I, I cut you off on that. What were, um, um, or what you're rolling? I don't know. I lost my train of thought. So we'll just, uh, we'll keep moving on. <laughs> All right. Um, and so as far as like, I know you guys have a mix of a lot of single family stuff and then, you know, some smaller multis, you know, sub 30, 40, 50 units. Um, are you seeing any differences as far as, you know, interest or demand in single families versus apartments? Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I'll have to dig into that. That's kind of the story you heard that, that might come out of this is, a greater yeah. demand for single family because of the space needing. Um, 
nothing glaringly obvious. Um, I could probably look into the data and may, maybe find something, but it hasn't been an overwhelming shift where my leasing, you know, our leasing team is saying nobody's wanting apartments and everybody's wanting single family. So we'll see if that story comes true and it probably is going to be a lot you know, smaller of increase in interest in there. Um, everything we have, if it's priced right, it's going to lease because people just have different needs kind of COVID or not. Um, yeah. of where they're wanting to live, if they want to maintain a yard. I mean, a lot of people don't want to do that. And so I think there's still a lot of pros for people living in apartments and, uh, and condos. So. so no great migration as of yet out of apartments. And no, I yeah, I haven't really seen that. I'd be interested to hear okay. what, uh, what other management companies are seeing, but yeah, we haven't, we haven't really felt the, the great migration to, uh, the suburbs and, uh, single family homes. And are you, do you have anyone that you're dealing with, you know, uh, evictions or, that need to be evicted when things come up or have any tenants just, you know, move out and leave the keys on the counter and say, Hey, I can't pay. I'm out. We've only had two tenants who basically have stonewalled us and haven't done anything. Um, We've had a a handful um, of tenants move out, but it wasn't the situation of, Hey, we moved out here, the keys, they've been in communication with us. We kind of gave some timelines. So yeah, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised. Only two tenants just kind of completely neglecting to pay rent and communicate with us. Um, and so thankfully we haven't really had to kind of go down that route. Um, you know, a lot of it's just communication because our hands are tied and our leverage is kind of off the table right now, which it is what it is. And so it's just trying to communicate, uh, and keep that line of communication open with the tenants. Cause this is, it's a tough situation for them if they can't pay and they're having to choose where to pay their money. And so, uh, that's kind of been the message to the team is, you know, communicating with the owners, Hey, let's do whatever kind of works best for both of us, whether that's a payment plan or are you moving out? So just connecting between the tenants and the owners. Yeah. So you said you had two people. I mean, it just sounds like they're kind of working the system right now. Um, yeah. But you, you, how many properties do you guys manage? About 650. Okay, so two in the 650. So, I mean, that's point zero through what, point? Yeah, it's, it's less, than half, less than half a percent. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, there was a lot of fears of that happening. Like, you know, just tenants taking advantage of the situation. But for the most part, I, I think people know that like, if you don't pay rent, you might be able to get away from it now, but there's ramifications down the road. Yeah. You still owe it. It's not a get out of jail free card. Yeah. So you're, you're still going to owe it. And I think that most people realize that, um, you know, I feel sorry for the people who don't kind of realize that, uh, because I, you know, you, you hate to see that kind of affect somebody's rental history or their ability to kind of, you know, their credit and that kind of stuff. But if people choose not to pay rent, those are kind of, yeah, yeah, eventual ramifications, but certainly we're helping people out in the meantime. So we're, we're trying to be as flexible as we can, um, as flexible as our owners can with the, those kind of tenants. No, this is great. Cause I, I, you know, I'm still, I still talk to a lot of investors who are, Hey, you know, they're asking, Hey, should I buy a property? Should I not? And basically I tell them, Hey, you know, as far as like, you know, with the, the environment, the way prices are still appreciating the demand, the interest rates, I think it's a great go ahead. I just tell people, Hey, you've got that there's that small chance that you might be the unlucky lottery winner where you get the, you know, one out of whatever hundreds of tenants where they just move in and stop paying rent. So make sure you keep extra cash on hand. So, I mean, you guys are having seeing less than 0.5% of that. So that's phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, it really is. I mean, I probably wouldn't buy a property with tenants in it right now. I did that and luckily it worked out for me, but uh, you know, it can certainly happen, but you know, if you're placing the right tenants, I mean, that's kind of like the main takeaway here is, if you're managing yourself, like really have your application process, you know, nailed down because we've got people who are telling us that they're still employed, but they've been laid off and they're trying to hide unemployment. 
And we've got, you know, we're, we're, we've gone to directly verifying employment with every employer. So whether over the phone or email, so we're even, we're not even looking at pay stubs now. We're just going straight to their employer and verifying. So yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're buying a property and it's either got a tenant in there, make sure you do your due diligence. And then if you're placing a tenant in there yourself, just make sure. So let me ask you that. Yeah. I mean, if someone's buying the property because, you know, we, we buy properties, we get, you know, we'll get a rent roll, we'll get a lease. Um, Beyond that, like what recommendations can you have out there for landlords that, hey, I've got a, I'm buying a place with a tenant in there. What else can they research or look for? If you're buying it from a management company, uh, getting potentially, a, you know, their credit report, whenever they moved in there, the rent roll is great. I mean, if there's no rent roll and there's no lease, those are probably your two best things. But if somebody doesn't have yeah. that, that is a red flag right there. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, it, it happens. People just, vacancy is painful and vacancy is expensive. And so maybe the tendency is, let me just put somebody in there as quickly as possible and then offload this potential future problem. So looking at their application, looking at how steady their job is, their payment history, and then making sure the lease gives you some options um, of what you can do uh, if a tenant stops paying. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, great. This has been great. Any, any final thoughts or data points you want to share before we wrap up? Yeah, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, yeah, leasing strong, rent collection strong, and just do your due diligence when you're uh, when you're placing tenants in your home. Great. All right. Well, we just finished our conversation with Gray Hall of GK Houses. I'll put his contact details in the show notes. Gray, thank you, and we'll see you next month. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. All right, now I'm talking to Mark Cunningham with Grace Property Management. And Mark was on last month's episode, so I wanted to bring him back on this month's episode. Mark, glad to have you back. Chris, thanks for having me. So as just a quick recap, uh, give us a quick rundown on who Grace Property Management is and kind of the portfolio that you manage. We are located in North Denver. Our office is in Thornton. Uh, we've been in operation since 1978, so we've been around for quite a while. And uh, we manage primarily single family and small, small uh, multifamily type stuff. And we our geographic area runs anywhere from the South Denver to North, North Denver. Uh, most of our subs in the, in the North to central Denver area, but we do a little bit of everything. We've got about just under a thousand doors that we manage. Good. And so let's just jump into it because this is the million dollar question for the month. How did rents pan out for May? So as we stepped into the first month of this thing, that this COVID crisis, right? The property management community seem to be overreacting. Oh, the sky's falling. No one's going to pay rent. Everybody's going to leave us high and dry. And then lo and behold, the first month, most people paid. And then so the PM community then went to, we skated through that month. Next month is going to be awful. Everyone's going to leave next month. And so certain people paid the next month as well. And we saw it play out again for May. May will be the month now. Now May is going to be the month where people don't pay. And by and large, the short answer is we saw an exact repeat of the last few months. Uh, did people pay later? Yes, they did. Did they still pay by and large? Yes, they did. So uh, if you looked at it, if you picked a particular day of the month where we would track our delinquency, like let's say the 10th day of the month, on a normal month, by the 10th, we'd expect to have maybe 90% of all the rents collected for the month. And by the time we get to the end of the month, we're on an average, we're running about 99%. So by the time we hit the end of the month, we have pretty much everything in. Okay. Well, what happened is when we hit the 10th of the month, we had a much higher delinquency because people were just taking longer to get that payment in. Once we hit the end of the month, that 99% collection rate was probably, well, well, not probably it was, it was about two percentage points lower than that. So we, we instead of having a 1% delinquency, we had about a 3% delinquency. 
So depending on how you want to skew that, <laughs> you could say, well, gosh, your delinquency was up 300%. Yes, it went from 1% to 3%. Uh, but overall, given the fact that the sky is falling and, and people can't even buy toilet paper, that's a pretty good deal. Now, yeah. we're already seeing it now for, for June. People are saying, well, well, June will be the month or July will be the month. But by and large, we're seeing a repeat of the same thing. There's certainly more delinquencies. People are taking more time in paying. But by and large, people are still paying. Okay, because we are recording this on June 8th, so everyone has a, a reference time. And so you're seeing the same trend, just more late payments so far into June. Yes, correct. Okay. And then the um, for June, if, if you and I would have been having this conversation nine days ago, we would have been talking about, for us, our plan now for June would be to go back to some of those folks, because there have been a handful of folks that haven't paid March, they didn't pay April, they didn't pay May. They've been taking advantage of the laws that are out there. Well, for June, that was supposed to now expire. So for those people that really were milking it and saying, you know what, I'm not going to pay and I'm not going to move. We were supposed to be able to start the legal eviction process in June. However, uh, Governor Polis, right at the midnight mark there, uh, extended the moratorium on evictions another 15 days. So we, we can't do anything again now for those small percentage of folks that actually are not paying. So do you have like, um, like what percent or how many people are not paying? I have your roughly thousand units. It's a handful. They're milking the system. Five. I think we probably got five people that are just, they're not returning our calls. They're basically saying, you know what? I don't have to pay. I'm not going to pay. Maybe I'll pay when things turn around, but you guys can't do anything about it. So I'm just going to sit here. So So it's very few. A half a percent then, right? If I'm doing my mental math right. That would be correct if you're doing. Yeah, if we're both which mental math, right? is does not seem too bad to me. Um, no, no. Now, if you're, if you're, I think the challenge is if you're an owner and that's your property. Yes. I mean, who who it cares sucks. that it's that it's only one half of one percent? You've got somebody sitting in your property, and, and this is one of our big frustration points with the legislation. You've got some people, not a lot, but you've got some people sitting in properties that have no intention of paying, and they're going to sit there until they can't, and and that's what's difficult and, and scary for some of those landlords who are like, oh my gosh, what, what do I do? I can't do anything. I have no legal recourse. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know from my own perspective and talking to a lot of investors the last couple of months, I mean, a lot of us were thinking that might be in the, you know, the teens or 20 percentile. Um, and again, I feel bad, you know, luckily I've not hit the unlucky jackpot with any of those tenants smoking the system yet, but I do feel bad for those landlords that have it. But overall, like, I mean, if you're at one half of, you know, a half of 1%, that's really good since people can you know, kick the can down the road right now. All right. So great news on the, on the rent side, things are doing pretty darn good for you. Now, before we hit record on here, Mark, you were saying there's some interesting trends in legislation and leasing. So pick your poison and talk about whichever one you want to first. Well, if we look at leasing uh, once a week in our office, we have a, what we call our, our vacancy and delinquency meeting. So all of our property managers get together by zoom <laughs> Of course, it is now. And our uh, accounting person who's in charge of rent collection, she gets together. And our, our leasing person, our team comes in and we go through, on the leasing side, we go through every vacancy we have. And uh, they give us this little this little spreadsheet and the spreadsheet shows the list of all the vacancies. And we walk through them one by one by one. And we look at things like, what kind of activity are we seeing? Are we getting calls? Are we getting showings? What's the feedback? And do we need to drop the price? And we just go through these. And the spreadsheet is ordered in such a way that at the top of the list, it lists the property that has been vacant the longest. And then underneath okay. that, the second longest. So we have the kind of like the red alert properties at the top, and it gets down to the lower ones. Hey, this one's at the bottom's only been available for a day. Well, about three weeks ago, we're going through this. 
and about halfway through the meeting, I said, uh, I kind of stopped. I said, hey, guys, do, do you see a trend here that I see as we look at on this list, like the top 12 properties? Because remember, we, we manage single families. We manage condos, townhomes, duplexes, through, and, and throughout the whole Metro Denver. So all the way from Longmont to South Denver. I said, if we look at our top, I think it was the time is our top 12. Of our top 12 vacancies, 10 of them have some very uh, disturbing cor- correlation. Oh, really? 10 of the top 12, 10 of the top 12 vacancies, the things we can't get rented, 10 of the top 12 are all located in downtown Denver. They're all condos and they're all one or two bedrooms. I think eight of the 12 are one bedrooms. Those things aren't moving. Now, the other properties, I mean, the rental market overall is strong. Things Sorry, are moving. I want to, I want to, this is really interesting data here. So, uh, you said, uh, most of those are the condos in downtown Denver. Are these like the, 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 the new A-class condos or are these like the older buildings? Like what? Mostly new, mostly new. Really? So the new stuff. So when you and I talked uh, a year ago, whenever it was, Chris, I think one of the things we talked about, one of the things we've been telling our investors for the longest time is if you're an investor, we don't recommend buying high-end class A condos in Denver because there's just an oversupply. They've been building, building, building this stuff. And they have. Well, now we are starting to see the impact of the fact that there may be an oversupply of that because when the economy does slow, and if you do need to rent something, you're probably not going to go pay for the top of the line dog park with the workout room and the pool and all that stuff that you can't use anyway right now, right? So that stuff's just not moving. And there's so much competition for that, that it's almost, our leasing person said, guys, it's almost irrelevant if we drop these rates. There's just no demand. People, they don't want this stuff. And part of that at the time was Denver was on lockdown, right? You can't even leave anyway uh, to go show these things. But we would compare that to, for example, single family homes in the suburbs. Those things are getting snatched up. They're getting rented super fast. But that, that, we had not seen that trend change now in the last several weeks. We've just seen it maintain. So every week we look at our vacancies and sure enough, our top 10 properties are high-end class A downtown Denver type properties that there's just demand has dried up. That's interesting. Yeah. And I know nothing about that market because that's something we've, I've not had any investor buy those properties because I, I agree with you. I just don't think it's a great investment and the numbers are hard to make work. So that's really interesting. Now, do you have other like condos and townhomes in Denver, but they're the older class B, class C stuff. Are those leasing up? Or are you seeing those take a longer time as well? Or they're do you have that data? Taking, they're still taking a longer period of time. And, and what very likely could happen is we'll see rents get pushed down on these class A properties, which mm-hmm. will push rents down and then on the class B properties. And it really will push rent down. I mean, the classic answer to supply and demand is the more supply that comes on the market, the demand's going to be lower. And if we want prices to come down, let's build a lot of the stuff. Well, they did build a lot of the stuff, but they all built class A. So that's going to have a downward pressure uh, rental price impact across the whole market, we believe. But we're seeing it first, as we always do, see it first in the class A condo townhome stuff. Now, you know, to take it even a step further down that, that rabbit trail, if you look historically on real estate pricing, Historically, if you look back over the last well, 50 years, the condo townhome market is always the first segment of the market to take a hit when the market starts to slow. So you know, could this be a sign of a slowing market, real estate sales market? Hard to say, but this is always the first sign. 
Now, it may just mm. be because we overbuilt there and we didn't, we still haven't overbuilt on single family, so we should be okay there. And that's kind of our thinking, but it's something to keep an eye on. That's interesting. Okay. So what about on the legis- legislation side? Because you said there were some, I think you used to use the word scary before we hit the record button. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the questions that you, the things that you and I talked about is, is, is it a still good time for investors? If you're an investor and you have some money in your pocket, do you want to buy? Uh, and, and we would say potentially yes, but be very, very cautious. You know, as we just said, don't go downtown and buy a brand new construction property if you're planning on renting it out because it's just hard to rent right now. Demand for single family homes, great. Very, very strong. The thing that really gives us concern is the trend that we're seeing continue now uh, with the Colorado legislature and with the governor on imposing more and more restrictions on landlords, making it less and less attractive to buy a rental property. So as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the moratorium on things like late fees, on anything to be posted, on any eviction process, even being initiated has been delayed again till the middle of June. So you can't do anything uh, at this time. The legislature is is in discussions on potentially passing a bill that would extend that for, and I've heard all sorts of numbers, anywhere from two months to 180 days. Mm. That's that's a scary thing. That's a scary thing for, for those, that small group of owners that I just talked about a few minute, moments ago that have tenants in place that just haven't paid rent in three months. Well, if you give those tenants another couple months, they're, they're not going anywhere. And, and the system is already designed in such a way that even if we could start potentially you know, putting that word in air quotes, evicting people today that hadn't paid rent, it's going to take three months to work its way through the system. So people still have three months to pay to stay. So it's, this is not like a, oh, we're throwing everybody out on the street. But we've got to be cautious, I think, as a society, because if at some point, if we push landlords more and more into a corner, you're going to get some of those landlords that just say, you know what, this is not worth the risk. I, I can't put tie up so much of my money when I have so many other options out there to put money into a property where I could potentially put in a tenant who's not going to pay rent and there's nothing I can do about it. Yep. So we have that on the horizon. Another bill that is pending right now is to... For landlords, it would say this. If you as a landlord file an eviction, there's an additional fee, a filing fee you must pay of 30 bucks. And that $30 filing fee will go to fund uh, the legal, the eviction legal defense fund. So it will provide, it will provide an attorney for the other side. Now, if you just think about that on the, I mean, just step back. Well, so what that would say, if I want to sue you, Chris, my filing fees have to include additional funds that you, Chris, the person I'm suing, can use to go get your own attorney. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of crazy in the face of it. Yeah. It's stupid, but it's going to increase the filing costs. Uh, it, and it just, it paints our landscape in Colorado as very unlandlord friendly. So say if your tenant doesn't pay, you got to go pay for their attorney. And that's not exactly what it is, but that's practically speaking what it is. That, that's, a, that's a scary thing. And there's another pending law uh, that would uh, create an additional protected status which would be source of income. Now, city of Denver's already done this. Some municipalities have done this, but this would be a statewide, statewide law that would say you cannot consider the source of income when a tenant is applying for property. Really what that means is you would be required to, to accept uh, government subsidized housing voucher programs on all of your properties, um, wherever they are, statewide. Meaning you have to take section eight and some landlords love it, some landlords don't. Um, and you know that's a whole other conversation. But but to require landlords to work within that government program when the program itself is is 
difficult at best to work through. That again is going to dissuade some owner landlords because some owner landlords say, look, I don't want, I don't want the government walking through my rental property. Tell me I have to fix that snag in the car. I just don't want that. That should be their right uh, to say, no, we don't want that. But this would say, no, 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 you, you've got to do that. And, and the fear from the bigger perspective is this is going to drive more landlords out of our market, which will reduce the supply which is going to just exasperate the problem. Now we've got less supply. We've got more demand. Rents are going to go up even higher. Um, and I think this is a real real thing, impact that, that landlords are looking at this right now to see how this political landscape is going to play out. Because you've got a lot of folks out there, a lot of small landlords that own one, two, three, 10, 20 properties. And they don't, they don't need to do this. They could pull this out and go to a different market. There's a lot of other markets they could put in the stock market. There's a lot of things to do with your money right now. There's a lot of opportunity. And we need to make this market attractive to investors, not less attractive. Because it hurts so, tenants. As we wrap up this segment here, is there any good because I know you're active in I you know, some property management group. I can't recall the name of it without butchering it, but I know you're very active in all this. Like, what are some things that you know us small landlords can do to just support the stuff? Or is it sign some letters to our senators? Like what what can people actually do? Well, because of the fact that we're kind of on, you know, shutdown, the legislative session should be over, you know, by it, it was voted to be extended because of the COVID stuff. It should be over right now. Uh, so what we are recommending our owners do is simply reach out to your representative and say, hey, please, you know, please don't overreact. We're already seeing the market straighten out. Tenants have not been evicted by and large. They haven't even not been able to pay. So this didn't turn into the worst case scenario we thought it would. So please yeah. don't overreact and start passing laws that when things do get back to normal, now it's going to make me want to step, get out of the game as a landlord. And now it's going to make my tenants have to move because I'm going to sell my house. We have had uh, a number of, of our owners call us and say, you know what? Don't renew the lease. When they renew, give them a notice to vacate and I'm going to sell. The market's hot. I'm going to sell. Well, that's one less rental property on the market. One more tenant that now has to move and they're going to go pay more rent somewhere else. So call your legislatures on this and tell them to please don't overreact on this stuff. Do you know, are those owners selling with like the, that legislative environment or are they selling just because they want to take money off the table? I think it's you both. Know. Okay. The ones we've taught, no, they're not saying, Hey, I'm selling because I may have to pay another $30 to my tenant with this legislation. Nobody's saying that, but it's been like one thing after another, yeah. after another, after another. And there comes a time where investors say, gosh, this doesn't look well for the future. This, the numbers already are almost impossible to make, make work anyway. You know, and I know people say, well, rents are too high and rents are high, but sale prices are higher. They're out of whack there. It's just, it's hard to make it work. Um, so we've got to, we need more supply. At the end of the day, that's the, that is the one answer to this whole thing is we need more supply of single family homes, encourage investors, which the legislatures would pass a, give them a, a, a tax credit of 5,000 bucks to go buy a rental property. Boy, you'd have investors snapping up rental properties everywhere. You'd have a bunch more inventory in the market. Rental rates would go down. Just it, it, it would. But uh, instead, we're talking about things like an extra cost to evict a tenant. Mark, this has been insightful. I'm glad to hear that your rents are coming in uh, really well still. Any uh, final thoughts or data points to share before we wrap up? We're coming out of this. You know, we're coming out of this pretty quickly. Uh, tenants, as you just said, tenants are paying their rent. That is such good news. Nobody knew exactly how this was going to play out. Uh, but we anticipate that this is going to just continue on with tenants still paying, have a little more delayed. And uh, I think in the next couple months, we're going to get back to uh, as normal as we could be. Awesome. All right. Well, Mark, thank you. 
and everyone out there listening, I will include uh, Mark's contact details and their website so you guys can reach out to him. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, Chris. All right. Well, in this segment, I'm talking with a new addition to our monthly property management update, and I'm talking with David Weiss with Rivendale Real Estate. David, glad to have you here. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. So a lot of our listeners don't are not familiar with you and Rivendale. So tell us about you and your property management company. Uh, yeah. So uh, we've been in business, uh, the property management division, for about six years. Uh, we currently manage about 230 doors. Uh, that's a mix of apartments, um, duplexes, single-family homes. Uh, we About 30% of our portfolio is Section 8 or lower-income housing. And uh, we are all over Denver Metro, as far north as Thornton, as far south as Castle Rock. And uh, yeah, we uh, we don't discriminate. We we have a little bit of everything in our portfolio. Great. Well, this will be a good sample size to see see how uh, the tenants are or are not paying. So we are recording this on June 8th. So Monday, June 8th, we're recording this so everyone knows. So let's jump back and look at May. Uh, how did rents pan out for you in May? Um, so in May, we overall, Chris, I, we have not experienced much of a difference. Um, when I found out that I was going to be talking to you, I kind of looked back at our numbers and I thought it would be interesting uh, to compare 2019 to 2020 and also uh, kind of look at it month over month. And um, so for May of 2020, uh, we were at 96% rent collection. Uh, about four hundred and eighty-four thousand and change. Um, so, um, and that's that is kind of where we were last year. Also, if you look at twenty nineteen, we were actually a little bit less, ninety-three percent rent collection. Uh, obviously, a lower number, but we had fewer doors at that time. Yeah, but actually, percentage-wise, you ended up collecting more rents this May than you did in May twenty nineteen. Slightly more this May than last May. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and how is June stacking up so far? Our listeners know that, you know, late fees aren't being collected right and all that, but just how's it looking so far from rents collected, tenants talking to you? What's the pulse for June? Uh, uh, June is, it looks to be on track. And I think we're going to be right in that same number, 95% of rent collection. Uh, obviously, it doesn't look that way right at this moment, but um, we use the first 10 days of the month to, um, collect rents, talk to tenants, reconcile books, uh, get payments ready for owners, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're not quite through our process yet for me to give you a, a, a hard, fast number, but uh, so far looks to be on track. Okay. And I want to, because I know you said about uh, 30% of your portfolio is with Section 8. And, Correct. you know, I, I'm a big fan of Section 8. A lot of my investors, you know, uh, love Section 8 tenants because of the guaranteed government money. Now, for the other two-thirds of your portfolio, what type of tenant class or property class does your portfolio have? Um, I would say for most of our single-family homes, uh, we're kind of in that $2,000 a month range. We do have some outliers that are are more uh, on the higher end of the spectrum, 2500 to 3500 but that's a pretty small uh, percentage of our portfolio. The majority of our single-family homes um, are in that uh, 1800 1900 to kind of 23 2400 range. Okay. 
And then um, I would say as far as the, the townhouses, a little bit less, but um, all, everything's kind of in that, I would say, mid-level range, so to speak. And so far with, you know, all the properties you manage and the tenants you're talking to, are you noticing like certain segments of the market or certain property types, you know, being hit harder than other types of your portfolio? I mean, it's funny. I mean, my experience with this, uh, and this has happened, I, I've been watching the numbers since this started in, in March. Um, and it's been consistent throughout is that the, the people that typically pay rent have continued to pay rent and the people, uh, the residents that we, we kind of consistently struggle with um, seems to be the ones that are continuing to struggle and, and have one more reason to not not pay on time. Okay. And, and I don't know that there's one, uh, one class of property or one significant area uh, that has, has shown more delinquency than another. It just, it's, it's more behavioral on a case-by-case basis. And do you have any tenants that are just taking advantage of the eviction moratorium and they're saying, hey, you can't kick me out, screw you, don't return your phone calls, don't pay? Um, I, I have not had anyone say that directly. We, we certainly have a list of uh, demand for compliance tenants, uh, demand for rent tenants, where we've sent out the notices, um, even though we really can't follow through with the eviction process at this point, we at least want to get the ball rolling. Um, have our ducks in a row for when things open back up to be able to follow through with those. But but no one has reached out specifically and said, we're aware of the situation and we're going to take advantage of that and not not move out. It's it, uh, Again, it's been, it's, it's the tenants that struggled long before COVID-19 are continuing to struggle and, 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 uh, and the, the pandemic, so to speak, has not, not had a, a large effect on that. Okay. And so have you had anyone that just not paid any rent since what April when that moratorium came out? Uh, no, no, we haven't had nothing like that. That's great news. So what other, like, so those are the stats I wanted to cover with you, but what other trends are you seeing or that that are newsworthy to talk about to other investors here in Denver? In my opinion, the news so far has been good. Um, for example, it's leasing season, as you know. Most of our most of our leases uh, turn around sometime in the time between May, June, and July. Uh, so we're right in the heart of that. Um, and what we've seen is we've seen an increase in renewals, so uh, less people moving, more people wanting to stay put, which I think makes sense given the current um, environment with the with COVID nineteen. Um, but on the properties that are vacant, let me sorry, let me I'm ask, let me ask you a question before we move on. Yeah, sure. There, uh, David, are you for those renewals? Are you bumping up the rents like you normally would in previous years, or are you keeping things flat? What are you doing on the renewals? So great question. So when we started renewals early on, uh, I think that there was a a concern because of COVID that there were going to be non payments of rent and that it would be it would not be a good idea to raise rents. Um, and so that's what we were telling landlords. We were saying, hey, here is the market analysis. Our recommendation is not to raise rents. And, and I, we work with some investors who own um, you know, up to 20 properties, and some of them were adamant about trying to raise rents. And surprisingly, what we saw is that the, the, the raise in rents um, 
did not come back to bite us and that most residents uh, still renewed. And so because of that, uh, recently with renewals, we've been raising rents uh, anywhere from two to four percent on average, and and we're not seeing um, we're not seeing any uh, res- negative response from those rent increases. And uh, on the properties that are vacant, we're we're we are getting lots of demand, and our average days of vacancy is uh, ten to fourteen days, and that includes the days it takes to turn the property. And so that's I mean ten to fourteen days. That sounds about in line with what it was previous or uh, pre-COVID, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think, and, and that, I mean, the only difference is we had a few properties that we, um, you know, we couldn't show well occupied. And even those properties, um, you know, we're getting them turned in 10 to 14 days. And that includes uh, getting the property rent ready, showing it and getting a new lease signed, which is really remarkable. And so you're not having any problems getting um, your contractors in there to do the work? Or any issues like that as far as like maintenance or turning units? Any delays there from COVID? No, nothing. Nothing. Okay. So what about, um, I know, so we talked about leasing here. Are you seeing, because I know you manage, you guys manage some multifamilies as well. Are you seeing less interest in multifamilies and more interest in single family homes? You know, because we've all read these articles about people wanting to you know, have their space and migrate out to single family homes. Are you noticing any of those trends yet? So I, certainly the demand for single family homes seems higher than the multifamily. Most of our multifamily is, is uh, more BC level properties that do accept section eight vouchers uh, across the board. We've seen less demand for section eight, which is not usually the case, but that's what we've seen recently. Um, so yeah, a little bit less demand for multifamily, um, I, I can't speak for the high level, uh, you know, A plus or A properties and multifamily sector, but, but in the lower stuff, we're seeing a little less demand, but still overall, still very good, still easy to get things rented in a very reasonable amount of time. Okay. Now, you know, a lot of the people listening to this show are investors and other, you know, professionals around the industry that invest themselves or help investors. What's your advice to investors out there? And they've got, you know, a fifth, you know, get their fifty, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars in cash earmarked for real estate investing. Is this a great time, a bad time, um, or what comments you have to investors out there looking to buy more rental properties? Um, a good question. So my my experience as an investor. So I I own properties as well as manage properties in Denver. And, and what I've come to learn is I feel like there is opportunity regardless of the market condition. The market may dictate what a opportunity looks like. But there's opportunities to be had regardless. And if you do your research and you do the homework, you can find deals regardless of market condition. I think some of the things to look at are competitive advantage. You know, do you know the neighborhood? Um, do you know a contractor who can who can do uh, make ready work for a discount? Um, all those things uh, matter greatly more so, I think, than the actual market condition. And then the other thing I think is that due to due to the current condition, um, rent freeze, mortgage freeze, the, in, the uh, influx of government money via stimulus and unemployment is, I, is I think um, that we may have not seen the effects of, of to the economy and on real estate specifically that COVID is going to have as of yet because it's being delayed by this by this additional money coming into the marketplace. And so I think 
Um, even though the real estate market can always be defined as unpredictable, I think even more so now uh, it's especially unpredictable uh, because of those reasons. And I would I would be cautious. Um, I think a lot of people are excited about low interest rates and and the idea of getting involved in the market and and picking up properties at a discount because of this. And I've almost seen people move prematurely um, into something that they think is a good deal, but may not be a good deal in the next six to 12 months. So uh, from like a 30,000 foot level, you know, it's from like a, a long-term perspective for, you know, buy and hold investors. If I'm understanding correctly, it sounds like no major red flags to say stop investing, just really do some extra due diligence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think due diligence is a must in any marketplace. Um, yes, I, you know, it's it's uh, there's there's a, there's going to be good deals and bad deals out there in any in any market condition. Um, and the seasoned investors are the ones that know how to sift through that and find the right deals. And so I've been I've always been a proponent of uh, you know uh, opening up property to Section Eight tenants because I you know you get some great government money there. And when COVID first hit. I became a lot more interested in saying, "Hey, I want. I wish all my tenants were Section Eight because I thought that you know the world may fall off a cliff there." Do you think it's more prudent now to focus more on Section Eight tenants or government uh, voucher tenants, or are you not seeing a difference in um, enough difference to say, "Hey, only go Section Eight or stick with Section Eight and market"? Like you, I am pro Section Eight. I think it's a good program. I think it's good in, for investors, but I think it's important that you understand it. A lot of times, I talk to investors, and they think that because a resident has a, a Section Eight voucher, that that means that the entire amount of rent is guaranteed, and that is not always the case. There, oftentimes, if they're employed, uh, a a significant percentage of the rent they're still re- responsible for. Um, that being said, they are just as likely or unlikely to not be able to pay that rent due to whatever circumstances are going on in their life. So I think Section 8 is great. Um, a lot of times we are able to procure a higher than market rent rate for a property if we allow Section 8, which is advantageous to our clients. Um, but I also think that there's some truth that that um, Section 8 comes with its own its own set of factors that that can be considered additional risk. Uh, another thing to keep in mind is that due to COVID and remote working spaces, most of the housing agencies that we partner with that work with uh, Section 8, um, typically they don't work really fast as it is. And, and now because of the remote working conditions, uh, the, the initial payment from Section 8 is even slower um, sometimes exceeding 60 days. So if you're a landlord and you don't have a reserve and you put in a Section 8 tenant, um, you need to be prepared to to float your mortgage payment uh, for 60 days plus before you get that first rent check. And I think a lot of uh, landlords um, don't realize that and are unprepared for that. Yeah, I, I got a unit leased up right at the April 1, leased up a week week or two before right as the pandemic hit. Uh, you know, through a Section 8 program, and I'm still waiting on the the first month and the second month. And I guess now the third month's worth of rent too, just because they're taking a lot longer. Surprise, yeah. surprise. Yeah, they take longer, and there's a lot of, as you know, there's a lot of paperwork that you got to fill out. And if you if you miss one date or one signature, or you don't do that right, it can delay the process, and it's um, it, it's certainly more work on the front end with a Section 8 tenant uh, than a, a traditional tenant. Well, David, this has been 
Uh, great. As we wrap up, any final data points or thoughts that you want to share before we end the call? Um, I don't think so. That that pretty much covers my list. Great. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today to uh, come in here, spend 20 minutes with me and the listeners out here to share this information. And I'll put all your contact details and your guys' website in the show notes so people can reach out to you. So thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right. For this segment, I'm sitting down with Ellie and Devin Reimer of Airwood Property Management. How are you guys doing today? Yeah. Yeah. Great. And in this studio too, uh, just before I sat down to record, Preston Newberry, he and I were working on some deals. I said, hey, hang out because he does a lot of work with Ellie and Devin as well. So Preston, glad to have you here. Thanks for having me back, Chris. So let's just jump into this, guys. Um, how was May? Well, just starting off with some statistics. Uh, nationally, it looks like 93.3% of rent was collected um, by the end of the month. Um, we see really close. Our portfolio, we're about 95% of our rents collected. Um, to go along with that, uh, one in five is what they're saying is the numbers. One in five are the people that have deferred their rent, um, made partial payments, or failed to make payments. Um, so that's pretty close for our portfolio. Um, that's for May. June's steady. Um, June's a little bit unique. Uh, I think that we're at a point now that the courts need to open up uh, so we can legally move forward with this because tenants kind of know what's going on and um, there's a quarter of them that are playing the game. Um, so we're pretty much at the point now that if we haven't heard from you in the last 60 to 90 days, obviously it's moving forward. Um, but I would say our portfolio is pretty strong. We're probably about 95% paid, 5% still hanging out there. For June so far? Uh-huh. Wow. I know. Actually, God, I want to knock on wood, but we, you know, overall, I mean, you keep hearing all the horror stories on the news and stuff. Honestly, I don't really think we were that financially impacted as a property management company. Um, I would say 99% of people want to pay the rent and have a home and a roof over their head. So they're doing what they have to do to keep it. Okay. And have you had a lot of tenants that just won't talk to you or what? I mean, are there people that have just kind of ghosted and disappeared? You know, I've had a couple that have emailed us literally and said, hey, the keys are on the counter. Um, that's unique. Over 15 years in property management, I really haven't even experienced that. Uh, so we've had like four or five do that. I do appreciate them because they left it in really good shape. So we pretty much were rent ready. Um, I think they felt guilty, couldn't call us, but they literally emailed us. And one of us, was, one of them was like a four-year tenant. So I was pretty bummed because we had a really good relationship. Uh, and there's probably a handful that I text or call and they ask me who this is. And then I say, Ellie, your landlord. And then they have a flood two days later. And that same telephone number comes back and says, oh, my God, Ellie, our AC is not working or the property flooded. So to answer your question, we have had quite a I think too many have completely ghosted us and act like they don't know who, it, who we are. So it's kind of entertaining. I mean, it sounds like you always have some some tenants that want to play the game. But overall, uh, it sounds like everybody's, you know, really treating this well and, and paying their rent. So I think we're happy to hear that, too. And I know our clients are. Oh, absolutely. Most so, of these guys want a roof over their head and they don't want an eviction. So they're doing what they have to do to take care of it. So from a pure just, you know, total rents collected, is did May and is June, how's that compared to 2019? Um, for us in particular, we're a little bit lower. Our, I think our average, I didn't look this one up, 
but it's usually between 97 and 98%. We rarely fall below 97%. So it, it's still a little bit lower, um, minus those people that have ghosted us. The other people are on payment plans. So we're hoping to collect the rents, you know, soon enough. And yeah, hopefully we get, you know, back up closer to that 90, 97%, 98%. And once again, to add on that, I kind of have to say, but I'm not going to wood. I don't feel like we've had this huge impact and fluctuation of people not paying the rent. Um, obviously, the payment plans are in place, and those are a lot of work. I do what we feel at Arrowwood is that I almost need extra staffing to handle the maintenance. I mean, the um, collection of rent because it's so much. I mean, it's before people just pay, and you know my clients are trained and they know that if they're not paid by the third, they're all posted. So like now we have like an employee and a half running delinquency every single day. So instead of like a 10 hour a week, it's like eight hours a day. I mean, it's truly a full-time job. Um, wow. Really? Yes. Because it's a lot of babysitting. So we're getting the money, but it's constantly like, Hey, it's LA with Arrowhead again. Hey, you said you pay on the third. Today's the fourth. Where's our money? And if you slide and let a day go by, then they think they won the game. You know, it's almost like a, I hate to say it's almost like a game, but I can't say it's worse than it was last year because you always have, you know, as the portfolio grows, you have numbers and there's always a certain portion that like to not pay the rent. So are you guys seeing uh, fewer maintenance requests or more maintenance requests? It's blown up. <laughs> maintenance is a whole different beast. It's COVID's over, you know, right? COVID's over. <laughs> So <laughs> two weeks yeah. ago, I swear to God, we woke up and it's like, and we didn't carry a whole lot in vacuum. Um, but honestly, like if it wasn't a flood or a fire or something very serious, we weren't dispatching our crews for safety. Uh, we had probably about 45 work orders in queue. That's not a lot for a portfolio this size. Everybody woke up. It went to 92 degrees, everybody's AC blew up, and we were a piece of trash for not dispatching yesterday. So that's a big part of it, too. It's just, you know, <laughs> summer coming around, a lot of the, it's you know, crazy. transitioning from, like, spring and winter maintenance to summer maintenance. Okay. ACs, those are huge. That's always going to happen. So it's the backlog stuff on top of... Sprinkler systems, of broken yeah. heads, my lawn's not mowed. Yeah, it's been kind of insane. So it sounds like it's more summer stuff versus... Yeah, it's kind of, okay. it just happened to all, you know, line up the backlog. The perfect storm. Yep. And COVID's over. There we go. Yeah, because my, my wife's a veterinarian and they've been slammed the last two months. And they're like, it's because everyone's home right now. And all they do is stare at their dog for 20 hours a day. <laughs> and, yeah. true. and they bring him in for like, she's like, oh, she's like, oh, that's on a bump. That's your dog's nipple you're staring at. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's all yeah. stare at them. So I'm curious if tenants are like they sit around the yeah. house. Oh, this is oh. broken. This is broken. And I think Definitely. they're bored. Yeah, yeah. We have yeah. one like today. I saw one request come in. I respond. Two minutes later, same person, another request. <laughs> it was six of them. Six different requests for tiny things. So I agree. I think people are bored. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Now, how are things on the leasing front? Hot, great. Right. They're amazing. Yes. So I mean. Numbers wise, we're up 19% from last year. Um, That's 19% great. in like more units leased or like quicker, like 19% for what? Um, how quickly? You That's, know, more I, minute. That's more leased. Yeah, yeah, more year. leases, Sorry, which yeah, I mean, and it is a percentage. Yeah. So it is factoring in our growth, you know, so we are leasing more units. Um, but yeah, 19% faster. And 
more leases are being signed this month than Great. they were this month last year. And, and is that across all property types or are you seeing that more, you know, versus higher end or, or lower price point stuff or is it? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty yep. even. We had 18 move outs in the end of May and then we had uh, 19 move-ins within a 24-hour period. So I once again, if the property is priced right, it's gone. Like we, I put up five properties. Three on Friday, and we Gone. leased all three this weekend. So, and these are being leased still sight unseen under video because they're occupied properties. So, we put a video up, and one of these videos was I can't even believe that this place rented so fast in Highlands Ranch because it was like 15 minute, 15 second videos. And I sent like 30 of them rented seconds, highly qualified 700 credit scores. And these are just the tenants, or they're just taking videos with their their phone for you? Yeah, they're helping us out because, you know, occupieds are still pretty tricky to show. Um, yeah. And and honestly, if it's an occupied property and we can't, if I'm not getting a lot of volume, the minute the tenant moves out, we set um, an open house kind of on it, run them every 30, 45 minutes, and it rents that day. I mean, the now, rental market's doing... insane right now. Okay. Um, so what are you seeing as far as like uh, rent increases for these of ter- are you increasing rents? Or are you kind of keeping the same? What's your strategy there? Kind of depends on the multi. Well, I would tell you, like the multi buildings, the you know, um, like the big buildings, <clears throat> people are hip about increases. So I've had a couple portfolios that I'll call and say, "Hey, we're going to keep you. You guys are great tenants, but we still need to increase." Because my philosophy is always, you have to increase something. There has to be a budge some kind of movement because if not, they get too stable in there. Um, so we're talking like $25 increases and everybody was giving me notice to vacates. So to answer your question, I think it's property location and property type because there's certain locations that that rent is maxed already and a $25 increase, they'll pick up and move. It people are terrified on increases point. right now. They really are because still a lot of people just got back to work. Um, and is that more, Portfolio type on the increases, I said yes. I would say like that C grade building. Uh, if I increase, they're gone. Yeah. Okay. So that's where you're seeing the 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 biggest downward pressure on the increases are like the the C class places. And especially if I've already got the ma- the rent maxed, and you know, I mean, like there's certain portfolios like off Colfax. Um, that portfolio, if they're already maxed, and you even come in at like a fifteen dollar increase, they're ready to pack up and move. It's actually kind of shocking because it's so expensive to move. Uh, but people are just now getting their feet back on the ground and they're freaked out and they're like, Oh my God, I can't handle another dime coming out. Can you, can you not give me the increase? So we've worked kind of like a couple deals. So are you, you know, kind of advising your, your clients and your, your owners to just, Hey, if you've got a good tenant in there and it's time to renew, just keep the same rent. Let's, you know, keep a stable building and, and keep everything, you know, moving along at status quo. Yes. I can't tell you how many discussions we have daily about the importance of a good tenant versus a $25 increase. Um, yep. And I've always had that discussion throughout the portfolio pre COVID either, because a good tenant, I mean, if we walk in and do an inspection, the property spotless, when we come to increase, don't increase. I mean, it's just not worth that turn cost and the risk that you could get next. And are you seeing when it comes up, uh, when leases are ending, are you seeing more people opting to like stay and renew versus having to move or are those stats? It's like 50, 50. Yeah. I'm pretty shocked. I mean, I, I, if you asked us a month ago, yeah, definitely. Everybody wanted to renew because they were, you know, definitely afraid to leave their house pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, now I've said it's, it's pretty, 
pretty much back to normal. Yeah, I mean, I took 10 notes to vacate today. Okay. And so what other, um, actually, sorry, going back, are you noticing different parts of Denver, not just the property plant or different parts of Denver, are some leasing up faster or taking longer to lease or anything? Are you any noticing any like trends right there? Like, you know, I've read the articles about, hey, people are going to flee the downtowns or flee multis and go to the suburbs or go to less dense areas. Are you, any of those trends coming to fruition yet? Well, you know, like the biggest thing we've seen in the last couple of weekends due to all the activity down in Denver, um, if we have a building down there and I get an emergency call, I can't tell you how many times a vendor has said, hey, is that by the picket? Is that by the riots? We're not going. Um, that was actually... I was kind of taken back. I was like, what? No, it's the, he's like, are you sure? I don't want anything to deal with it. And then I called another vendor and they were in the same situation. Um, I will tell you, I've had three notes to vacates today. And that was directly one of the main reasons they went out of downtown Denver. They went out into the burbs. But that's more because of the rioting and the protest as a COVID, right? Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With COVID, I would say that I don't think that's affected. Yeah. Um, we recently just filled one of our multis. Um, we leased a handful of the units in the last couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, just north of Denver. Now, I will yeah. tell you a little pocket that's struggling right now is North Aurora. Um, there's some buildings around there and some other investors came in and they're doing like 250 deposits and they're doing move-in specials. And, you know, it's like I almost want to get together with everybody and say we all need to stick together. Uh, but uh, that's kind of killing us because I've had some notice to vacates and I'm like, where are you guys going? Because I always have the conversation with the tenant. You guys, you're yeah. going to pay another security deposit, deposits to move, moving trucks. It's expensive. Just set here for another year. They're like, Ellie, the security deposit is 250 and they're giving me first and last month's free rent. And I'm like, oh. That so, makes it hard to compete with. That is hard to compete yeah. with. Right now, that's kind of in that North Aurora area where there's a whole bunch of buildings and a whole bunch of vacancies. So, okay. so as we uh, wrap up, you guys got any like final thoughts or data points you want to share? It's crazy, man. But invest. The market's yeah. hot. We're I, still getting great tenants. I would say, I mean, overall, everything still looks good and safe. Um, those like lower margin places, I would say, seem a little bit more risky just because. Um, a lot of those places are the places where we've seen, you know, people be affected by this. Um, I guess those are the type of workers that have lost their jobs. So, um, you know, if your margins would be tight on your rent and, and what you're going to have to pay, I think that's, yeah, that's a little bit more risky, but it's always more risky. Um, right. Uh, Margaret's great. I guess, yeah. Though I, I do have to beyond that, that. Yeah. We're leasing quickly and people are crazy, but it's fun. So no major red flags out there because you guys know a lot. Most of our clients are buy and hold investors. No major like red flags that says, hey, should I invest in Denver? Oh, no, no. man. <laughs> I mean, it, it blows me away, you guys. We seriously will put a property up. And then my leasing manager is already calling screaming at me because he's already got 10, 15 leads on it. I haven't even had time to hit enter and literally email him telling him that there's a new property up. I put two properties up today. And he took over 45 leads on those two properties within, I mean, I'm not kidding, within a 10 mile, a 10 minute, 10 minutes. It's like blowing up. It's crazy. Wow. Matter of fact, I put a property up today that my tenant has to lease break on. And I wasn't, I was going to literally email my owner next. He emailed me and said, why is my property back up? And what's the update? And at that point, I was like, hey, give me a second because Zillow's that fast. And we already had 22 leads on that property. I'm not kidding you. It was within like seven minutes. It's insane. 
And how many of these leads are coming from out of state versus local stuff right now? Are you still seeing people moving here? We're moving a huge portion yeah. of out of state. Yeah. Like yeah. Huge. Not yep. sure exactly what that means. But a lot of yeah. New Yorkers. <laughs> I mean, out of the, yeah. my big properties out in Highlands Ranch, we filled all, it was weird. It was like four different New York families. And I asked them, about, do you guys all know each other? I'm like, nope. And they all moved out here and a lot of Texas people. That's kind of what I was curious about. Yeah. I was wondering how many people were still moving here versus just, you know, locals moving around in the state. And I think the only other thing to add is that people like on the turn side, like May was our first month that we did a big dump in turns is the concern on COVID. I mean, like tenants want cleaning receipts, the new tenant coming in. I mean, you know, it's mm -hmm. to add to that, like my New York tenants coming out of that big COVID thing, they were absolutely insane about the cleaning. I mean, one of them paid for the vents to be cleaned before she even moved in. So it was kind of a new awareness to us. You know? it, was, and it was an interesting thing for me. I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. She's like, and I need carpet receipts. And I mean, tenants usually just don't ask for that. They walk in, see if it's clean, painted, and they're good. Um, but a lot of people are requesting, you know, that it's been professionally cleaned and sanitized. So is that something you're going to start working with a lot of your owners on to, to do going forward regardless? I mean, is that something you think will be a good business practice for, for owners now? Yes, that. And I'm going to tell you this whole video thing is, you know, COVID has changed all of our lives, but I cannot tell you how much power, how powerful those videos are on these. Um, we have drastically stepped up our, I mean, just with that kind of video, we've been able to rent out of state people. They feel comfortable moving in because they've seen the property. It's just, it's kind of crazy on those techniques and the things that we have put in place due to COVID that we're going to actually make 100% system. I don't really show properties anymore. Everybody goes to the website and watches videos. And really? people are comfortable with it, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the cleaning thing, though, we have always been pretty tight on. Um, I We've had to, like, double up on the, you know, the cleaning. Because people want to make sure it's sanitized. And I get yeah. it. So, but we're really careful with gloves and show. I mean, when we still show, they have to wear gloves and everything. All right, guys. Well, you got any final questions nope, for that, us? That answered my stuff. Thanks, guys. All right. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. Thank you, guys. Thank Appreciate you. the uh, the information updates. We'll see you next month. And all the listeners out there, uh, this is Ellie and Devin with Airwood Property Management. Their contact details are on the show notes. Thank you guys for Thanks having everyone. us. Thanks, everyone. Right. Bye.